Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. In Genesis chapter three, this is after the fall. So we've got the family perfect unit. You know, we only have perfection in the Bible for four out of however many chapters there are. The first two chapters and the last two chapters, perfection. Everything else in the middle is brokenness. Everything in the middle is, is, is just depravity and, and a, a world that has now been handed over to the ruler of darkness. And so in chapter three, we see the introduction of sin, the, <clears throat> the introduction of rebellion. And in Genesis chapter three, verse 15, this is what the Lord says. And I will put enmity between you and the woman He's speaking to Satan now, the the serpent. I'll put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed, everyone say seed, and her seed, everyone say seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. This shows us what? This shows us that God went right back to the family unit as the answer for the problem that just took place. He didn't abandon the idea. He didn't suggest another idea. He said, we are going to use the family. Parents, bearing seed, raising offspring, raising children, and that's going to be the answer to how I'm going to take you out. We know ultimately, if you notice that that second seed is a capital S, who are we talking about there? We're talking about Jesus between your seed and her seed. We're talking about Mary giving birth to Jesus. But ultimately, what what is he saying? I'm gonna use the family unit to bring and birth an individual into this world. That that individual is gonna be steered in the ways of God and the ways of the kingdom. And they are gonna have a purpose on their life to overthrow darkness. Some of you got that. So what? So we have an agenda. We have an assignment with our children through parenting to raise up children that are what? Gonna overthrow darkness, bruise the head, be an attack force on the kingdom of darkness and promote the kingdom of God in the earth again. There's a value here that the family unit, again, the family unit exists to promote and perform the will of the king in the earth, to cause the will of the king to come to pass. And we're either raising children that are promoting kingdom values or we're raising children that are promoting worldly values. The kingdom values, those that promote kingdom values will overthrow the ruler of darkness, his kingdom, and change the world for the kingdom of God. Is that simple? Is that simple? He says, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. So today I wanna show you three necessary components in parenting. And you're saying there's only three? Well, this is just a start. I'm sure there's many more. This isn't a total package, but I think that these are three that'll help us in this vein of raising children 
and creating a family unit that overthrows darkness. That's what we need to see in these last days. We're seeing too many of our children caught up in the things of the world rather than reversing the things of the world, rather than standing up to the things of the world. And for every teenager that's in the room, because you're in this uh, service as well, this is for you. I'm not just talking to the parents, so don't sit back with your arms folded, checked out. I'm literally talking to you and the children that aren't in this room. But most importantly, parents, it's our responsibility to steward those lives that the Lord gives us. Having children is not just, uh, we wanna have kids one day. Having children is part of the be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, and fill the earth with children that become men and women of God. It's important that we understand that they won't remain children all the time. And everything that we're investing and pouring into our children ought to steer them and direct them and equip them to enter the world to overthrow darkness. Not just enter the occupation sector, not just uh, do everything that you didn't do. Parents living vicariously through your children to win the championship that you lost, to play the sport you weren't any good at, huh? To, be, to get the degree that you failed to get? No, it's bigger than that. You're overthrowing darkness. You ought to be raising children that are an absolute threat to the devil and his kingdom. And this is why he attacks children so young. I can't remember the verse. I, I, I should have looked it up and presented it, but there's a verse that tells us that arrow, that, that children are like arrows being sent. Y'all know what I'm talking about? It's in Psalms, I believe. Psalms 127. Pastor Chris, you got it in front of you? Go ahead and read it loud. We received a word in pre-service today about the arrow and about the bow and the string. And as we all work together, we send these arrows not aimlessly wandering into life, not, not with an idea of you can be whatever you want to be, but target you're raising children that are targeted toward a mission and toward a goal with urgency, with deliberation, with intensity, with a drive, with a passion. It's like what Pastor Chris and Terry minister all the time through their Future Now ministry, that if you don't know your purpose, any road looks good. You'll take any road. You'll take any path. And we're seeing children take any path that's presented, the first path that's presented. 
But when you raise a child that is purposeful and that knows, no, I've got a mission, I've got a target, that relation's gonna compromise it, that friendship's gonna compromise it, that tool's gonna compromise it, this, uh, what I'm doing with my time is gonna compromise it, this teaching or the, uh, uh, this music and this TV show is gonna compromise it. And then they start living life with boundaries. They start living life with, with, with a mindset of, I am approaching a target. I am, I am an arrow sent. I mean, all the way back in Genesis 3, God is saying, this seed, I'm aiming it towards something. He'll bruise your head. He'll crush your head. You'll bruise his heel. He'll crush your head. And how many generations is that on down? You're talking, what, 4,000 years? From this moment until Jesus shows up in the planet, 4,000 years, and Jesus is that, or or God is that targeted in sending, I've got an arrow coming. And it's gonna pierce darkness. It's gonna divide between soul and spirit. But I need the bow. I need the string. I need the hand pulling it back. Sending that in a direction, aimed at a goal on the other end. So we can't just wander aimlessly with our children, letting them figure out what works for them and what's good for them. Start finding out what their gifts are. I'll go ahead and tell you right now, some of their gifts are stuff you don't like in your house. They're just so stubborn. That's gonna come in handy one day. They just talk all the time. That's gonna be part of their gift. And it's up to you to steer it. It's up to you to channel it. They're just so black and white. They're just, you know, they're just always giving a hard time. That's gonna come in handy one day because they're gonna give the devil a hard time. Come on. But the parent is to what? Mold and steward and direct and, cha- and, and you gotta cut some stuff off along the way so that you can get to that full production of what the king wants out of that individual. So three necessary components of your parenting that are gonna help raise these children. Number one is example. Example. Parents, we know this, but you are your child's greatest example. You are your child's greatest example. For those of you that don't have children, go ahead and start working on the stuff now that you want your children reproducing from you and not reproducing from you. We all have elements, of course, in ourselves that I wouldn't want my child to ever do that. Is we need to work on those things. But we are the primary example. Again, as we said last week, uh, the, the, the family has outsourced a lot of what parents should be doing to coaches and to schools and to government and even to churches. But it shouldn't be. In the home, in the family unit, the parents are the leading example, the primary example. You could put it this way, showing 
is sowing. Showing is sowing. What does that mean? That means what I show them is ultimately what I'm sowing into them. And you know how it goes. What you sow is what you reap. In every area, whatever you're doing, good or bad, whatever the influence looks like, what they're seeing from you is what they're determining as normal, tolerable, excusable, allowable, or just just the way we do things. That's how we respond to things. That's how we talk. That's how we live. That's how we, that's, that's how we react. Amen. It's not very loud in here, but that's okay. Look at this in Judges chapter two. We'll show you how important this, this is. Judges chapter two. Remember, Moses delivered the Israelites from Egypt, came across the Red Sea, saw all the miracles in the wilderness, came upon the uh, promised land, sent in 12 spies. 10 came back with a negative report, deterred all the people. They all got fearful. So they wandered around for 40 years in the wilderness. God raises up another leader, Joshua. Joshua says, you're gonna take these people, Joshua and Caleb, y'all believe me at, at my word. You, you demonstrated a different spirit of faith. You believe that I could give you this land, so I'm gonna let you live, but I'm gonna have to get rid of this previous generation because even though I could get them out of Egypt, I can't get Egypt out of them, so I'm gonna raise up a brand new generation because the old thinking, they couldn't get rid of that old thinking. So the moms and dads die off. In the wilderness, we raise a generation that only knows the wilderness. They don't know anything about Egypt. They don't know about slavery. They don't remember the whip of the taskmasters on their back. They don't remember the three square meals a day. They don't remember the hard labor, the powerful Pharaoh. They don't remember those things. So God says, I'm gonna take take these folks, take these people into that promised land. And they go in and they take it town by town, city by city. Got them in, in the environment. Remember the towns, the cities were inhabited, right? It wasn't an empty, barren wasteland. It was fruitful. It was flowing with milk and honey. Uh, There were uh, all kinds of different cultures and all kinds of different nations within this promised land. And so they go in. Joshua takes them in. That's the book of Joshua. But now in Judges, Judges chapter two in verse 10, it says this. That whole generation was also gathered to their ancestors. After them, another generation rose up. That's how this ought to be. It's generational, passing it on from one to the next. It says, after them, a generation rose up who did not know the Lord or the works he had done for Israel. Okay, so we have a generation born in the wilderness that doesn't know slavery. Therefore, they have a conquering mentality built in. You say we can take it? Sure, why not? We've never been told we can't. We have no reason to believe that we can't take that. And so the previous 
the, 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 the mindset being renewed, the previous mindset coming off, allows them to go in and conquer the land. But now we have a generation that wasn't born in that need to conquer and that need to overcome. They don't know about the water coming out of the rock. They don't know about the, the, the parting of the Red Sea. They don't know about the, the manna on the ground. They don't know about the 10 bad spies and the two uh, good that came back with the report. They don't know about going in and conquering. They've been born in this promised land. All they've known is this promised land. It says, who did not know the Lord or the works he had done for Israel. The Israelites did what was evil in the Lord's sight. They worshiped the Baals and abandoned the Lord, the God of their what? We should not be raising our children on our faith. The only God they know is your God. The only faith they know is what you present to them. Now, the next generation failed to discover the Lord for themselves. Failed to discover his good works himself. And remember, I just read you earlier in Joshua chapter one when God was about to send Joshua and this new generation into the promised land. He still said, meditate on my word day and night that your, that your ways will be successful, right? Your lives will be full of success. Do not turn to the, uh, to the right or to the left. But now we've deterred the God of their fathers who had brought them out of Egypt. They followed other gods from the surrounding peoples and bowed down to them. They angered the Lord for they abandoned him and worshiped Baal and the Asterisk. If you fail to set the example, someone else will take your place. Something else will set the place, will we'll take the place. So here's the thing is the devil has an education system. The devil has an education system. The devil has effective instructors that teach in this education system. The devil has a pool of resources to pull from. Oh, and they look good. They feel good. And they sound good. And they seem promising in the beginning. They seem profitable in the beginning. And if we fail to take our place as the example, as the instructors, as the pace setters and the trailblazers of our home and of our children. Guess what? The devil will, he won't wait one second to start introducing his instructors and his tools and his means and his ways. Because see, your children are called to go into environments and go into places that are counter-cultural to the way of the kingdom. 
They were called to go into the promised land that was counter culture, it had Philistines in it. And all the ites, the Canaanites, the Hishbites, and the termites, and the whatever else, all the different cultures. But he did not send them in there to become like the culture. He sent them in there to change the culture, disrupt the culture. But somebody's got to set the pace that we're not just going with the flow. We're not just, and if you fail, it says that they did not know the God of their father. Well, who's that on? That's on the fathers. What do you mean they don't know the, the, the God of their fathers? Fathers should be passing on. Here's who God is. Here's what God did. Here's how we serve the Lord. Here's what he requires of us. Here's what honoring him looks like. Here's what obeying his instructions looks like. Here's what fulfilling his purpose and plan looks like. Here's what our assignment looks like. Here's what our call looks like. And keeping that before your children. But if you do not, the devil will be quick to swoop in and establish his way of order. We've got to set the example. It's a generational transfer. It's a generational transfer. Write this down. Parenting is the framework within which parenting is the framework within which we build individuals. We build individuals to carry God's plan in the earth. Parenting is the framework within which we build individuals to carry God's plan in the earth. Parenting. Not just teaching them good manners. Not just teaching them to know what they're gonna do after high school not just teaching them how to be respectable citizens in a community, teaching them who God is, teaching them the awesomeness of God, teaching them they are designed and manufactured by the creator of the universe, teaching them that they are made in the image and likeness of God, teaching them that they have the capacity to function and operate with a God-like attitude in the earth, teaching them that they have been designed for something much bigger than what it looks like on the inside, teaching them that there is something inside you that will only come out if it's pulled on and made a demand on, not teaching them to gratify and satisfy their pleasures at any cost, not just teaching them to just take any path that, 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 that presents itself and looks like it's gonna make the most money or bring the most fortune or bring the greatest influence. Parenting is the framework within which we build individuals who will carry out God's plan in the earth. And the devil will take up any space that you abandon. This is not to be outsourced. This is not for somebody else to do. Even as your pastors, we will be, uh, to the best of our ability, great examples, and we will uh, uh, show them and pour into them and invest in them. That's why in our children's ministry, that's why in our spaces back here, we're not just 
babysitting. We're not just feeding goldfish and crackers and letting them go wild. We are pouring into them a spiritual investment. You need to know that your children are spirit beings, just like you're a spirit being. And that spirit being does not have an age on it. What does that mean? That means that even though they are in a house that has an age on it, there are things that they can receive even indirectly in the spirit man that can build them up or tear them down. So getting them in the word of God, promoting the word of God, promoting kingdom values, taking every opportunity. Be careful of those that your children are around. Their friendships, their coaches, others that are pouring and investing in them. Why? Because that child is being steered and raised up and directed. It is an arrow to be aimed at with a plan and a deliberate goal in mind. Not the aimless wandering that we see uh, uh, in, in the younger generations today. And we've already seen where parents have failed to take up space. The enemy is quick to introduce individuals that will surely fulfill that role and set themselves in that place. Oh, you don't know who you are? I'll tell you who you are. It's whatever you feel like. You don't even need to look at your outside construct anymore. Who do you think you are? What do you think you are? No, we've got a designer and a creator that knows exactly who they are. And guys, here's the thing. You are, raising them up, you are raising them up in the image of the Father, God, not you. They're not made in your image. They're made in his image. And we've gotta be careful that while we are promoting the, and, and building a kingdom, that we don't find ourselves building castles. What does that mean? Building our own little kingdoms. That's why we say the best thing you can do as a parent is discover or help them discover what their God-given call, gift, and assignment is and promote that in their life. That's where they're gonna be successful. That's where they're gonna fulfill the plan of God. That's where they're gonna accomplish all that God has called them to do. You need to start teaching your kids success isn't always what it looks like. Because many of what we would call the successful people in this world today are some of the most selfish people, some of the most unhappy people, some of the most unfulfilled people with all the money and all the stuff and all the glitz and the glam and the glory and the houses and the cars and the influence and the followers on social media, but yet inside they're completely empty because they're not doing one thing with one second every single day of their life that brings any fulfillment whatsoever and they're constantly chasing something that will never satisfy. They'll never have enough followers. They'll never have enough friendships. They'll never make enough money. They'll never uh, be, uh, have enough concerts lined up and enough uh, 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 sporting events lined up. They'll never be able to fulfill what only God can fulfill in their life. It's a chase. It's an aimless wandering with no goal in mind. No, number one, we need to be examples. As parents, we are called to be an example, set an example. 
Number two is honor. Honor. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, 2 Timothy chapter 2, in verse 20, it says, But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor and some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. Honor always speaks to worth and to value. Honor is a measuring component. And teaching your children honor, teaching your children who to honor and what is honorable, what is to be valued, what is worth, not even just the who, but even the what's, in our life, even the when, when, what, what does it mean to honor your time? What does it mean to honor your word? What does it mean to honor your teachers, your parents? What does it mean to honor your elders? What does it mean to honor your friendships? What does it mean to honor the house of the Lord? What does it mean to honor the name of Jesus? What does it mean to honor? always speaks to value, to worth. And he says here that if we're not careful, we will uh, have vessels that are only used for dishonor. Common is what that means. And your child is a vessel. And the vessel determines what can be poured into it. It also determines what can be poured out of it. I'll tell you right now, one of the greatest ways to teach your children honor is to display it. Show them. Takes us back to example. And you know this as well as I do, much of what we say is quickly overridden by ulterior actions. Meaning if our actions don't align with our words, which one do you think they're gonna follow? The actions always carry more weight than the words. It's what we do, it's how we present ourselves. But in our parenting, it's important that honor is a, it's a necessary component. It must be a prioritized component because we live in a culture today of dishonor. We live in a culture today that it, it has 10 ways to tear down and one way to build up. You ever notice that it always takes longer to put yourself in a posture of honor toward something? But to put yourself in a posture of dishonor, that takes seconds. You can think of all the things you don't like. It takes forever to think of something you do like. It, it takes no problem to find someone's faults and shortcomings, but you have to really work hard to find what they're valued for and what they, what, what they should be complimented for. It, we've got to adjust this because the world is not gonna do it for you. They are not gonna raise children that find honor, discover honor, or become honorable. They're not gonna do it. 
We dishonor everything. It doesn't matter their role. It doesn't matter their position. It doesn't matter their level of authority. It doesn't matter what they've accomplished. And typically what our world will do is just build them up so that we can tear them down. Because if I could get them up here, the harder they fall. But creating a value and a priority for honor in your home will create vessels, build vessels, strengthen vessels of honor. And we know what Ephesians chapter six tells us. Ephesians chapter six and verse one, children obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. It's almost like, why? Because. That's like the mom response. Why? Take out the trash. Why? Because I said so. Because this is right. <laughs> Obey. Why? Because this is the right thing to do. That's all the reason you need, children, to obey your parents. God said himself, it's the right thing to do. That's all you need to know. Obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Verse two says, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. Why? So that I can fulfill and accomplish the assignment on my life. I need to remain in the earth. I need to live in the earth. I need to be present in the earth and to be effective for the kingdom of God in the earth. And so the promise is you will live long. Now, verse four, and you, fathers, thought you were gonna get off, thought it was all gonna be about children to the fathers. No, the father to the children. Do not provoke your children to wrath, but here it is, bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Bring them up in the training and the admonition of the Lord. Honor starts with us. Honor starts at the top. Honor goes both ways. Parents, we need to honor our children. Honor the gift of God. Steward uh, well the gift of God, the heritage of the Lord as we just read sending that arrow deliberately and aiming targeted toward a goal. We need to create a value for honor and it begins in the home again. Number three. Three necessary components of parenting. Gotta be an example. Set the pace, the framework within which we build individuals to carry out God's plan on the earth. Honor, establishing a, a home of honor, a value for honor, a priority of honor. Don't allow your children to speak ill of anything or anyone. Doesn't matter if they're just joking. Come on. Shouldn't even have an issue with bullying. It's so easy to look at somebody from the outside and think you know everything about them and then find the flaws that you see and just highlight them all day long. It's, it, it, it's, we've got to change that. We need, one, we need one student to stand up in the midst of 10 of them and say, you know what? This is what I see in them. 
But what do we always say? If we have a child that's a bully, where does that beginning? You see, a child that is a bully, they're not getting honor at home. And they're not seeing honor displayed at home. Come on. Okay. And just last time, last, mo- last, last remark. Dishonor always says more about you than it does the person you think you're dishonoring. Every time. All right, number three, last one. Let's wrap it up here. Worship team, y'all can make your way this way. Redemption. Number three is redemption. The redemptive qualities of the Father. Our homes, our parenting must have a redemptive value. Why? Because people will make mistakes. Children will make mistakes. Let me just go ahead and tell you right now, parents, I don't need to prophesy this. I don't need to get a word of the Lord from this. Your children are not perfect. They are not. They are not. Guess what? You are not perfect. So I don't, we don't even entertain the conversations. Pastor Earl, they just opened up a, 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 a private Christian school uh, down at the church. And, and you know, the, the, the education has always been on our heart. And he said, that, that's just, you know, it's just always something that you thought was just kind of out there. as like a stigma. Like there's parents that think their kids are perfect. But he's like, there are literally parents that send our kids to our school that literally believe their child is perfect. He said, if we could just break that barrier, your child is not perfect. It's okay if you hear that they came home with a report from a teacher that something happened, that they, they, they failed, they missed it, they blew it. But you must have a redemptive quality, a redemptive response. What promotes reconciliation? What reveals the redemptive heart of the Father? Let me give you a few quick verses. Galatians chapter one, verse four. Galatians chapter one, verse four. Who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father. We know what the word says that even when we were found in our sin, Christ died for us with no guarantee, with no promise that we would repent, that we would turn, that we would abandon, and most won't. You hear people say, Jesus would have come for one person. He would have come for none person. He came on the obedience of his father, not because he was getting a guarantee from anybody that they they would turn from their wicked ways. The redemptive quality of the Father was to look at us in our sin with no guarantee that we would even turn away and said, I'm gonna make a way to get you back. The word redeem means this, to buy back. And he bought you back at a high price. You know, typically people 
especially if you're investing, wait for something to drop in value so that they can buy in at a low value. We dropped in value and God said, no, you're still worth my only begotten son. You're still worth me laying down the best of what I have. You're still worth giving everything I've got. I'm not withholding anything because you are worth it. You might not see it. You might not know it. You might not be presenting it. You might not be revealing it, but you're worth it. You're worth it. Because he's a redeemer. He buys back. Isaiah chapter 44. Isaiah 44, verse 22. I have swept away your transgressions like a cloud and your sins like a mist. Return to me, for I have redeemed you. Rejoice, heavens, for the Lord has acted. Shout, depths of the earth. Break out into singing, mountains, forest and every tree in it. For the Lord has redeemed Jacob and glorifies himself through Israel. That last line might be the most important that not only did he redeem you and buy you back and say, you were worthless and sorry and you missed it and you blew it, but I'm making a way back. No, he still says, I'm gonna use you to present myself to the world. You are still a representation of me. That's the Father's redemptive value toward us. That's the Father's heart toward us in failure, in brokenness, in abandonment, in neglect, in in, in just an utter rebellion of his ways. He still has a redemptive quality that says, you're worth it, come on back. You're worth it, repent and turn around. And so what does that mean? In our homes, you've gotta have a redemptive value. Why? Because your children will miss it. You've got to have a redemptive value when they blow it, not bringing up their past. See, you did it again. It's dangerous. Now you let them know, man, we get this right. We repent and move on. You can become everything you're supposed to be. Nothing can hold you back. Nothing can stop you. And I'm not here to be a reminder of everything you've ever done. I'm here to show you what you can become. And I'll tell you right now, many of us have a hard time doing this with our children because we have a hard time doing it with ourselves. That the first one we need to forgive is ourselves. The first one that we need to apologize to and repent to is ourselves. And when you miss it, Ask your children. Say, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said it. Shouldn't have done it. I was wrong. I'm asking you to forgive me. Demonstrate it. Be the example. This is heaven on earth. Because you serve a God that chose reconciliation over condemnation. You serve a God that chose to believe in the best of you even when you are only producing the worst of you. He he chose, he chose to seek and promote your benefit 
at a great cost. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithaboutaustin.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.